It is now my privilege uh, to introduce the next panel of speakers for the Fireside Chat on Health. Uh, please welcome the U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services, Javier Becerra. <laughs> The Director of the Indian Health Service, Rosalind So. And Chief Kirk Francis of the Penobscot Nation. Thank you so much for having me. Well, good morning, everyone, and thank you for being here. Um, it's a privilege to always be in the presence of tribal leaders, and um, I'm very honored to be joined on this uh, fireside chat by Secretary Becerra, who is the 25th Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services and is the first Latino to hold this office. Prior to serving as Secretary, Mr. Becerra served as Attorney General for California where he led the effort to save the Affordable Care Act, which includes the Indian Health Care Improvement Act. And many of us know him with his 24 years serving in Congress before coming attorney, becoming Attorney General. I'm also honored to be joined by Director Zoe today, who is obviously the Director of the Indian Health Service and has a long career of serving different regions in Indian country throughout her service with IHS. Director So is a member of the Navajo Nation. Thank you both for being here today. You can clap for them if you want to. As we all know, healthcare is a necessity for each of our tribal communities and the foundation of which we build everything on. If our people are in poor health, so are our nations. The Indian Health Service is the primary source of healthcare programs and funding for most tribal nations and an essential part of the federal trust responsibility to Indian country. Yet, the IHS continues to be the only major federal healthcare program that remains subject to government shutdowns and stopgap funding. The Veterans Administration already has advanced appropriations, inappropriately so. Medicare and Medicaid already have mandatory funding but IHS continues to be subject to annual appropriations and under constant threat of continuing resolutions, including right now. Even though we have been advocating for mandatory funding and advanced appropriation for over a decade now, unreliable and unstable funding for tribal healthcare programs can have de devastating impacts on our communities. A few examples from my own tribal nation in the purchase referred care arena Delayed funding caused one of our citizens to not get the imaging that she needed um, that would have identified a life-threatening cancer at an earlier stage. Another, only due to an emergent event, uh, was her cardiology issue um, identified. And delays can, can, uh, in being able to connect our citizens to immediate inpatient substance abuse disorder treatments can be the difference between life and death. Without resources, that's often exasperated by long-term pain management. And there are numerous tribal leaders in the audience today that I know have w similar or, or worse situations in your communities. 
Indian country deserves better, and we are demanding better. I know the Biden-Harris administration is making this a priority, and that Secretary Becerra and Director So are leading the advocacy efforts on this issue within the administration. So getting right to it, Secretary Becerra, let's start with the big picture. Tell us about the administration's broad health care agenda. Chief Francis, uh, first, thank you very much for letting me join with you along with Director So to address some of the questions and thanks everyone who is here who made it to DC. Uh, can I just say it's more important than you think for you to come to Washington DC. Obviously it's, it's important that you share your thoughts on issues like mandatory funding or uh, uh, the, the appropriations, getting the appropriations advanced uh, if we can with regard to any funding that goes to Indian country. But more than that, it's having the presence here because as you know, as you go to the Hill and make the rounds, it is so crucial that you be seen, that you have a physical presence. And so thank you for making the trek all the way to Washington, D.C. I hope you continue to have uh, members of your councils, um, uh, the members of your tribe make the trip with you. Numbers help at, as we try to advocate. So I know, and I know how tough it is sometimes to leave all your responsibilities back home, especially if you're in leadership uh, within tribal government. Uh, so on the question more directly, Chief, uh, President made it very clear. Uh, we, we, and with uh, Director Young, we discussed this at the very beginning of the Biden administration. When it came time to presenting the president's budget, what would we do? Because as we say, budgets are a representation of your values. And so we made it, at least HHS, we made it very clear that if we didn't have a budget coming out of the White House that mentioned uh, not just advanced appropriations, but mandatory funding for IHS, then we're not starting on the right foot. Fortunately, we have a head of state, the President of the United States, who is there with us. And from the very beginning, this administration has said that when it comes to funding, healthcare, IHS, it has to be mandatory. And we made that push. Last year, because Congress wasn't there with us, quite there, we made the push for advanced appropriations, which isn't a, a dedicated, uh, uh, long-term permanent mandatory funding, but it gives you sight longer term, two years, of what your funding would look like. We made the push again for mandatory funding. Um, the votes aren't there yet. We are in better position than we were before. Now the push, of course, has to be for advanced appropriations because where we are in the budget stream. I hope you will help us make the case that we need mandatory funding. But if we can't get to mandatory funding, at least guarantee us a level of funding for IHS for at least the, the next year to two years. So there's no, no chance that the folks, the members of, of your tribe who need their health care won't get it. And so help us get there. This is why, as I, as I said at the very beginning, your presence is indispensable. And so thank you for having come. And now I hope you'll be able to walk the halls. Thank you, sir. Uh, Director Zoe, the BIL was a once in a generation investment. The Indian Health Service received $3.5 billion in funding for sanitation facilities construction. Can you tell us how this funding will be used and how it translates to better health? Thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone. Thank you for allowing me to be here with you. Uh, we know that, again, this is a topic that I love. It's very near and dear to me. 
the $3.5 billion has been needed for, for many, many years in Indian country. In the role that I'm just coming from off the Navajo reservation, there are still many families and my families and relatives that still do not have sufficient water and, and uh, sewer infrastructure. And what that means for us is that we have families that still do not have what we are entitled to or what we should be providing. This was most evident during the pandemic where we were asking people to wash their hands and wash your hands for 20 seconds. You know, that, that saying was, was really hard for us to say that even though we knew that that was a solution moving forward. Having said that though, the $3.5 billion will take us a long ways. It is certainly a beginning to meet the needs of all of our uh, tribal members and, and our communities throughout Indian country to improve water and sewer infrastructure. Just the first year of funding will address 71,000 families and homes on, on our native lands that will now have water and sewer infrastructure that will again improve communities as we move forward. Uh, in the first 45 days of my appointment, I committed to visiting all 12 uh, IHS regions, which I did. It was a wonderful experience. I had a great uh, time just learning more about the communities. And as I move forward in this role, I, could, I remain committed to keeping my feet on the ground so I know what is happening in, in all of our communities. I visited the Warm Springs tribe and they, were, they have a, a water treatment center that, has, that was supposed to last about 40 years. And it's 20 years into its lifespan and it is, it's completely uh, needs to be replaced. Just that water treatment center alone has incredible amount of health repercussions for the entire community. What that means on a regular basis when the, the as it's trying to keep moving forward and keep that system together means that we have to go to water boiling every, probably on a monthly basis. And that in itself creates health issues for all of the community. I also visited again the Fond du Lac tribe where again, similarly they needed a new uh, water treatment center, but they have found some very creative ways in working side by side with Indian Health Service to create systems that, are, that, are, that is a temporary measure while they get their new system online. And what that does though is that it, it Part of my role in the IHS is bringing down barriers, not only within the Indian Health Service, but across HHS and using all of the resources that we have to improve services to Indian country. And so uh, by what I learned at the, at the Fond du Lac tribe, I met with our staff and said, let's, let's take this idea over to the Warm Springs tribe, see if there's something we can do so we don't end up creating more challenges for our people. We know that improved water sewer infrastructure will reduce healthcare visits for, for inpatient and outpatient. And so for those reasons, we have to continue to strive to ensure that we utilize the $3.5 billion as quickly as possible to make sure we address the needs of our people and our communities and our tribal lands. Thank you. Thank you, Director. Uh, this question is also for you. Um, you've been a part of the IHS system in different capacities over the years. How would mandatory funding help IHF, IHS achieve its mission? Thank you. I'm going to piggyback off of what the Secretary already said. Having certainly significant 
consistent and reliable resources flowing to Indian country is very important. When we're talking about healthcare, it's incredible that we are still in the space that we are at, but it's also, you know, remarkable of the work that we can do to collect these funds and do what we're doing to improve the lives of the people that we serve, our tribal people, our communities, and in spite of all of the challenges that we have come a long ways. So, and, and then we have to lean on and learn from the pandemic that the resources that flowed to Indian country as a result of the pandemic forced us to really look at a different way of how we can do business. And that is just something that I lean on as we look forward and trying to figure out how can we continue to do what we're doing. Uh, we need to have mandatory or advanced appropriations for us to make sure that we're better, we're better able to plan, we're better able to address our facilities. And what we learned during the pandemic is that many of our facilities are no longer adequate for the services that we are required to provide in these facilities. So leaning on what we have learned, and if there are any concerns with the fact that we cannot utilize the additional resources that have come to Indian Health Service as a result of the pandemic, we just need to look back just a few months ago where Indian country collectively stood up against COVID-19 and that we were able to, to demonstrate that we can use the resources that were influxed into our healthcare system to be able to improve the lives of, of the people that we have and moreover, save the lives of the people that we are trying to save. Those stories are yet to be told, but it, it's just incredible, commendable to our tribal leaders as I, again, travel through Indian country, just absolutely inspired by some of the commitments that I saw and, and the coordination and improved coordination and, and collaboration between the Indian Health Service and our tribal leaders. And to that, I will con continue to strive and commit and uh, encourage my staff uh, to make sure that we are at the table when we need to be prepared and ready to work side by side with all of the tribal leaders throughout Indian country. Thank you. Thank you, Director. And um, Mr. Secretary, we're, we're in the process of securing mandatory or advanced appropriations. How can tribal leaders be helpful? You touched on this a little bit in your opening. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure how much I can tell you other than to perhaps identify which offices you really need to walk to. And I see a lot of cameras, so I probably shouldn't do that. Um, what I will simply say to you is, please don't let anyone in Congress believe that it's okay to lead to a shutdown of government and not provide for the health care of communities throughout the country. And so no one should be placed in that predicament when they have nothing to do with it. And I hope you will make, I hope you will take the actual personal stories that you have heard back home of who gets impacted when Congress can't get its work done on the budget. And that's why it's so important. As I think uh, Director So had mentioned before, the Veterans Administration doesn't have to worry about this. It's a direct provider of health care for our veterans. They get their money regardless of what Congress does on a budget because it's mandatory. It is by law required to be funded. There are other aspects of government that are mandatory like Medicare and Medicaid, as the director mentioned, which must be funded by law regardless of what Congress does tinkering with the budget. There is no reason why the health care of anyone else in America should be put at stake simply because Congress decides to have a fight on how much to fund the other parts of government. You need to make that very clear. 
and you need to come in numbers because there is no excuse for not having the votes in Congress. I can tell you as a former member of the House of Representatives for 24 years, it was a battle to get that across the finish line, principally because in the Senate you've got this filibuster vote that makes it very difficult to get the 60 uh, votes out of 100. And so we just got to get there, and you got to be strategic in going after those members who haven't gotten off the fence and said where they will be. Please don't let people get away without giving you a, a direct commitment, yes or no. We, I say we, I was a former member, we could be very good at giving you an answer that looks like a yes, but isn't. So get the yes or get the no, so you know who's a friend and who's not. Excellent. And and maybe, Mr. Secretary, we could just touch on a little bit about the work you'll be doing in the coming year. Yeah, I, I hope that we can enlist your support. I know Director So will be reaching out to you on a number of things. 988, uh, I hope you are familiar with 988. It is the new digital uh, lifeline that is used. Instead of having to dial a 10-digit number, if you are someone you or someone you know is in crisis, uh, mental health crisis, suicidal, uh, it used to be you have to, you'd have to dial the regional number, a 10-digit number, to get help. We've now turned that into a three-digit number, just like 911 for emergencies, 988. If you or someone you know is going through a really difficult time and considering doing something the ultimate wrong, please, 988, we're out there working it. We're also making some discrete funding available within Indian country that is, that is only for tribal governments to use to help implement 988 in their jurisdictions. You should know how that's being used. Uh, Director So can help you with that, and uh, our, our team at SAMHSA will be able to help you with that. Maternal health, you must know, I hope you know by now that we're making a particular focus in Indian country and in the black community when it comes to maternal health, because while throughout the country, because of our, our porous public health system, a lot of folks fall through the cracks, including women when they're pregnant. It's even worse in Indian country and in the black community, two or three times worse in terms of the number of women who die after delivering. We are focusing on that. We have put a challenge out there for every jurisdiction, states, tribal governments, territorial governments. On Medicaid, a woman is entitled to 60 days of care after she delivers a baby. We have now said we will provide 100, uh, excuse me, 365 days of maternal care for a woman after she delivers, postpartum care. The state just has to buy in. Jurisdictions have to buy in and say, we're going to fight. We'll, we'll, we'll buy into that, and a woman will be able to get postpartum care, not just for 60 days in Medicaid, but for 365 days. We hope you'll help us make sure that every woman who can, will get that kind of care that she needs. And I, I hope you know that on the whole issue of uh, mental health beyond 988, we are expanding our services. And so whether it is the certified community baby behavioral health centers that we're setting up that are 24-7 crisis care, or whether it is providing additional services for young people when it comes to mental health, we are there and we want to work with you because Congress did give us additional money. We're going to make use of it. Let's do it because we know so many people are suffering, especially our young people, are suffering through a lot of mental health crises right now. So help us get that to you. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. And um, 
Obviously, this is a subject matter near and dear to all of us. Uh, it's a subject matter we could talk about all day and have a special summit just for um, healthcare issues. Uh, but I want to conclude my part of this um, fireside chat by thanking Secretary Becerra and Director So for their continued advocacy for mandatory, and adva uh, mandatory funding and advanced appropriations for the IHS. As the Secretary said, the President's fiscal year 2023 proposed mandatory funding uh, for the first time ever. Indian country's voice is being heard, but our fight is not done. We now have an administration on our side for this issue, but we need to get Congress to include mandatory funding and advanced appropriations in the omnibus appropriations bill being negotiated right now. The National Indian Health Board, United South and Eastern Tribes, National Congress of American Indians, and others are vigorously advocating to Congress right now, but we need more tribal voices. So before my fellow tribal leaders leave this week, I would urge each of you to reach out to Speaker Pelosi, Leader Schumer, Leader McCarthy, Leader Mitch McConnell, to advocate for advanced appropriations to be included in this omnibus appropriations bill. Do the same to the leaders of the House and Senate Appropriations Committee. We have an opportunity to get this issue over the finish line. We just need to elevate our voices. And I would just end by saying, again, thank you to our panelists. As we were talking about earlier, the issue of mandatory and advanced appropriations sure is about the resources we need for the quality of health for people, but it's also about changing the dialogue and words matter. And um, the word discretionary should never be part of this discussion when it comes to this relationship. So I thank you both for leading that advocacy. Thank you very much. We do now. <laughs> Chief. Atkins, Chief Atkins asked about uh, support funding for diabetes, uh, which, by the way, is uh, a major illness aff afflicting many in Indian country, but not just in Indian country. In the black community, diabetes rates, Latino community, very high, and we haven't done enough. But I will say to you that we, we know, I know as a former member of Congress and I know as the Secretary of HHS, that our funding levels within IHS are still too low, not only for diabetes, but generally speaking. I know that Indian country has typically come every year asking the White House and Congress to raise funding for IHS and healthcare needs in Indian country to about 50 billion a year. We're barely, if we're lucky, we're gonna to get to about 10%, 20% of that. But I will tell you, the president's budget this year 
call for us to get up to close to $40 billion within the next uh, eight to 10 years. So we're still not able to commit even where Indian country says we need to go. But we're, at least we have a president who's trying. You've got to help him. Please help him get to where he wants to go. And on diabetes in particular, we have special programs, as you know, and you mentioned something there, Chief Atkins. We will try to go there with you. But just as you say you need the money, we need Congress to give us the money. And there's where we desperately need your help. You, you are very valuable being in Washington, D.C. Please don't waste the opportunity to speak to somebody. And more than anything, and I say this after having been there for 24 years, please don't walk away not knowing whether you got a commitment or not. These folks owe you a word, yes or no, especially if they say they represent you. Please get them to commit one way or the other. And I may get in trouble next time I go to the Hill and they say, I hear what you said at that summit. You know, I, some of you will remember, I see Mark McCarl here, Chief McCarl, and I, I always would say to when I had a chance to address folks that came in from Indian country, you know, we, we ask a lot of you all during certain periods of the year, you know, usually around November, uh, test us. We ask you for something, you have a right to ask us for a lot. Test us. Test those folks on the Hill. I was there. Test us. Don't let us off the hook. Get a commitment, because when we do, it'll be saving a life. It'll getting the diabetes funding you need. Test us, push us, get a commitment. But thank you very much for what you do.